verse 11, uh, James chapter 4. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your uh, arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so up until this point, James has been addressing and dealing with division in the church. And, and, and our actions as believers matter. Here he's dealing with the fact of, uh, and the, the term of unity. Unity is, is super important in the body of Christ because a body that is not in unity ceases uh, to, to have this control or to be effective. And so when we think about the effects of the church and stuff, if we're not united, if there is a lot of division and stuff, then what's going to happen is it's going to undermine uh, what we're trying to do is get across the love and grace and mercy of God. And so when we think about unity in the church and the body of Christ, we think about how God has called us as believers to live united. Um, John chapter 17, verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And because it's a power to be a witness to the unbelieving world, it goes on in, James, uh, in John chapter 17, verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. And the world may believe that you sent me. See, unity is, is essential. And it's the message of the gospel that's critical that, you know, uh, somebody once said, I believe it was Chuck Smith. If not, he's quoting somebody else. But he said that we're, we should keep the main thing the main thing. In, in other words, our, God has called us to come and proclaim the gospel message, to tell the world about Jesus and his love, his grace, his mercy. And we can't do that when we're fighting each other, when we're saying when other things that, ma that don't matter are the focus and everything else, but our mutual faith in Jesus is that thing that's called to bring in to us community. It's called to bring in us unity. And I think about this because it's not just within our church, Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley, but within Christianity, within the church, capital C, the fact is we have people who from our church who have gone off into other churches and to uh, people who've graduated go to college, go to other places and stuff. And because of that, we have uh, a bunch of our people just moved to Texas, some still uh, getting uh, ready to move over there and stuff. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the one Spirit. We have to be united because we have one common enemy, the devil. Because we know that Satan's strategy is to divide the church. 
Mark chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. You know, one of the, uh, you know when you think about the, the, the fact that God has called us to be united, it reminds me of the book of Nehemiah where they're building the walls. And it says that everybody built in, around where they lived and stuff. And uh, the guys all had, in one hand they had a, a, a building tool, and in another hand they had a, a, a weapon. They were prepared for whatever's to come, but it's important to reinforce this wall, and they're going to work hard to reinforce the wall in front of their house, right? And so everybody's working together, unifying to build this wall, having a mind to work. And I think about that when it comes to the church. Yesterday we had two memorial services here at the church, and um, I was a part of the first one. And I loved, I, I've been saying this lately when I see it, I love it when the church is the church. And what I mean by that is I love it when I see Christians being Christian-like. Does that make sense? I love it when people are, like, loving each other. And it was cool seeing so many people come out to set up, to tear down, to give hugs, to, to love, just to be in support to, uh, of, of the families and stuff, both, um, both the memorials yesterday. But ultimately in the church, you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes right now we fight for the wrong purposes, the wrong causes. We don't fight for the love of God, the gospel message. We don't fight for the unity in Christ. We fight for the wrong things sometimes. But the church needs to stand united in, in opposition to the enemy. We're to be aware of Satan's schemes. But one of the things Satan likes to do is divide the church. And, and not just within one church, but I mean the body of believers. And it's one of those things to me that's dangerous. Because if there's no unity, think about this. In the book of Acts, when there was unity, the church multiplied. People were getting saved. People were coming to Christ. People were surrendering their lives to the Lord and stuff because there was unity. And they all thought, like, oh, I want to give to this. and But here, what, what is James? James has to address the fact that there was gossip, there was undermine, there was envy, there was strife. Notice he said in verse 11, Do not speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. There was this critical spirit. There was this division. And it's destructive. And, and it ought not to be so. You know, it's one of those things. I, I said this years ago at Don Lugo at a Christian club. They're like, oh, we want to build unity and we want to do all these things. And this is over 10, 15 years ago that this happened. But the leaders of the Christian club are like, oh, we want to build unity. We want to have change. We want." And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> They're like, what? I said, you don't. Well, we want to do these things. And I said, you don't. And I said, you, let me support my answer or my reasoning. And I said, you don't want unity. I said, you know how I know? And I go, because I can tell you what church you all go to by where you're sitting. And I said, you guys go to my church. You guys go to Inland Hills. You got, and I go, correct me if I'm wrong. You're all secluded. 
It's not the Christian, you like, you all come together, but you stay segregated. It's your church and your church and your church and your church, but you all just have a Christian club, so you think, oh, we're all going to be Christians together. No, you're not. You're just in the same room. Nobody's talking to each other. Nobody's united. Nobody's, you're not joining together. But think about this. You guys sit over there. You guys sit back there. You guys, like we sit where we sit because we're comfortable. And then here's the thing. I've mentioned this before. Like some of you guys have grown up together and you've never met. Or maybe you met when you were kids. In elementary school and, and, and you know, Sunday church uh, downstairs. Like Levi just called it baby church. <laughs> and you've grown up your whole life here at the same church and you don't talk. You never talk. To me, it's sad. And I get it at the same time, but it's like, can we fix it? Yes, we can fix it. Maybe next week I'll just get rid of all the chairs and you guys got to find a different... No, I'll make you all uncomfortable. <laughs> Unity. Unity and depending on God. See, as he's talking about now depending on God, we're going to move into this next portion here as we finish up chapter 4 where he says, Come now, you say today and tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Now what he was talking to was these business owners, these people that had goods and stuff and had this mindset. But what they weren't doing was factoring in God. Notice, it's, notice there was planning involved. They were planning on starting today or tomorrow. They were looking at the demographic. They, they knew what city they were going to. They had a time frame. We'll spend a year there. What are we going to do? We're going to buy and sell. And then the, the goal was to make a profit. And, and so one of the things is this. There's nothing wrong with planning. It's been said before, like if you don't plan, you know, or, you know if, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so, in other words, it's saying, like, we got to organize and we got to plan. If you were here, for example, we're talking about our Christmas party coming up. If you were here at last year's Christmas party, there was the one outside that we had. We purposely didn't, we purposely planned to not do a lot of things. If you were here, we had food, we had the, the fire pits, and, and we had a little photo area. But that was it. Like, that was the plan for the night, just to hang out. Literally, and our planning and our goal and our meeting was like, let's just hang out. And it was fun. I thought it was fun. But that was the goal. The goal was just to hang out. And the plan was just to hang out. Um, this year we have a few other things. We'll be back in the banquet hall and, you know, it'll be different. But in this planning and all these other things, the problem was, and the thing that James was addressing was, you're not factoring God in. There was no factoring. What does God want to do? What does God have for you guys? You know, uh, the, the memorial I did yesterday, today's um, Patrick Anderson. He used to sit in this section over here. Um, and uh, today's his 34th birthday. But he, he passed in August of COVID. And uh, Patrick, uh, after college, he worked for LA Galaxy. 
And then recent, most recently, uh, him and his uh, sister and brother-in-law, they had moved to Texas, and they started a, a, an agency called Thirsty Agency, a marketing agency. And um, he just posted, and I shared it at the memorial on his face. He posted on his Facebook before he passed how uh, some of the logos he designed. Uh, one of the logos was a Jimmy Kimmel live logo thing, and it was on a uh, SoFi uh, football field. And uh, th their company designed it and stuff. And he talked about how this is the 1% the of success. You don't see the 99% uh, of failures and all these other things. And one of the things his family shared about him yesterday was um, he was a, a person who believed when it came to the Lord, you always have to be ready. Always have to be ready. And this is one of the things I was going to mention to you guys is this. I think sometimes in the church, there's always this talk of like, oh, the rapture. I can't wait for the rapture and things like that. And here's what I want to say to that. I believe everybody who says that, most of those people are lying. They're lying because they don't live their life to the fullest. And I think the thing is, is we need to be ready to meet Jesus today because we don't know when God's going to take us home. And I think sometimes people in the church, and when I say people, I really mean as general as possible, maybe some of you are like, what is he talking about? That's okay. The whole thing is like, oh, we want God to re rescue us from this earth. Here's the thing. God has numbered our days, and we don't know what those days are like. We were watching, I don't, have any of you seen the movie Chasing Mavericks? It's a surfing movie. Some of you have. Okay, Chasing Mavericks, it's a true story about a guy named Jason Moriarty. Uh, Jay Moriarty, and uh, he was the youngest guy to ever surf, uh, or first uh, of the youngest guys to ever surf Mavericks, when it was like 30-foot waves and stuff. And if you've seen the movie at all, the guys in the video that actually on the cliff that, that say, oh, we surf this all the time, that's the real guys that surf it all the time. Greg Long, Peter Mel, those guys, those, those guys are from up there. That's their home break, and... These guys are big wave chargers. They're nuts. But in the video, it talks about, and even after, we have the DVD, and, and so we have, like, the extras, if you would, when they're interviewing family and stuff. And he ended up passing away at 22 years old of, uh, when he was free diving. And one of the things they said, oh, he always believed that he was going to die a young age. And he always lived his life to the fullest. He always was like charging everything. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about what was said of Patrick yesterday, that he was always ready. He, he believed we always need to be ready. And I think about that because here's the thing. It's not a scare tactic or anything else, but it says you, you plan and you have all these things, but you never know. When I got COVID and then was in the hospital, I'm sure that, Jordan, who's been in the hospital with COVID, Ashley. Ashley was on the oxygen for 40 days. Here's the thing, like, I wasn't planning on getting sick, and I wasn't planning on missing five weeks of work. I wasn't planning on all this other stuff. And you guys have heard me say that the day I went to the hospital was the day that I, it was the first time I ever thought like this. I'm like, Lord, take care of my wife, take care of my kids, take care of my family. Like, uh, Lord, help them to know passwords and codes and stuff. And Because if I don't come back, like, uh, I hope they're, they're ready, you know. And it was the first time I was thinking, like, I don't know if I'm coming back. 
and it was a trip because I didn't feel like I was going to get sick and I just, it hit me hard and it hit me quick. And you just don't know. Last night I was watching the news and they were sharing a story about a dad who pulled over to a taco stand in L.A. with his family, just got out of the car to get some tacos. Two guys drove up and he's like, hey, bro, where are you from? And just shot him and, and drove off. That was it. And the witnesses who were there said that's all that happened. Nothing. This guy who had two little kids and his wife and just was trying to get some tacos, two guys pulled up. You think, this is how senseless the world is. But if this is how senseless the world is, then shouldn't we be even more ready? I'm, yesterday I'm talking to parents who had to deal with the loss of their 33-year-old son. And these people love Jesus, but they're hurting and they're broken. And they said, you know, but we're remembering the hope that we have and we're remembering how much Patrick would talk about getting ready and being ready. Because in everything you do, you have to factor in the Lord. But here's the thing, it's easy not to. What's easy not to is the more comfortable you get and the more advanced you get in something, it's easy to now factor out God. Because what, what I mean by that is when you have talent, when you have ability, when you have skills, when you learn to plan and project. Listen, I've been planning events for years now. And so if I were to plan a Christmas party or summer camp or anything, I know to think about the who, what, when, why, hows, and all those things. I can plan an event, and I bet that event could be successful. But have I factored God in? What does the Lord want to do? What is God's plans? What, what, what is God's plans for Epic? I've actually been praying this because uh, in a couple weeks I have to turn in a a uh, uh, paper to our administrator that what is God's plan for Epic next year? I have to do that every year, by the way, but my, my newest one is due coming up. So I've been praying and I've been writing down little bullet points and side notes, but I've been praying like, Lord, what is it you want us to do that's different? Lord, what is it you need us, that I need to get out of my comfort zone? What are things that, Lord, you want us to do? What, what are things that, Lord, because I can do this like, oh, winter camp, summer camp, broom ball, Christmas party. You know, and I'm filling up the calendar already, right, with things that we just normally do. And it's like, okay, but what, what, Lord, what is it you want us to do? Do you want us to not do a Christmas party? You want us to not do broom ball? I need to be open to that. And if not, what would we do in its place? What kind of things can we do? Things I've been praying about. Don't have any answers yet, by the way. If we don't do a mission trip overseas, we've been looking at places to drive to. Drive to like Texas, like, or fly to like within the States and do an in the States mission trip if that makes sense. So not going to Guatemala, not going, you know, overseas, but we would do a mission trip in the United States, uh, possibly in California, possibly in another state. Uh, so in 2022, there's a lot of opportunities.
right now. So just, I got to pray and say, Lord, lead us, direct us, and where, what would we do? Here's a big one. Why? Is it just because there's a need? Is God, are you calling us? You know, I'm a big fan of like when Isaiah says, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to be ready. But we have to look at these things and we have to look at our lives. Because notice it says, your life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Psalm 102 verse 11 says, My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I will, and I wither away like grass. And Job verse eight, uh, chapter 8 verse 9, We were born yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. You know, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, I joke with you guys about how I used to have long hair and I used to not have a bald spot and all that kind of stuff. And But it's crazy because I could look in, I, my beard used to not be white <laughs> in parts. And I don't feel too old, but I also have seen myself change. And I've heard people say, oh, you look the same as before. And I'm like, yeah, but my crow's feet, you guys know what the crow's, right? You know, like my wrinkles and other things. Like I, 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 I sense myself getting older. I don't feel too old, by the way. I'm just saying, like, you see the changes, right? Just like we said earlier, you, you see yourself change. But then what matters? Patrick, the, the one I did the memorial for yesterday, they said, he was a bachelor, never married. And they said he was the best uncle. He was the best uncle. He would spend his Fridays and Saturdays with his little nephew, Wilco. And he loved that. He was fine with that. You know, when you would think on a weekend when bachelors would go out do other things, he just wanted to hang out with his little nephew. He, he just loved to be with his family, like his brother-in-law, who was his business partner, was also his best friend, and all these things, his sister. They would just all hang out together. He was very close to his, both his sisters and all. Their, their family was very close. And so when you think about that, what really matters? What are you investing in? And you think about the fact is, is you and I, as we're getting older, and we don't know when God might take us home. Are we living each day to the fullest? And are we saying, like Matthew 6, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, what is it that you would have for me? How is it that you would like me to live my life? Lord, where do you want me to go? And, and listen, your life might change from what you thought. Because notice what it says here. Verse 15, it says, You ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live. Last service, because she was in here, and... Uh, I don't think she'll mind me bringing it up again. But like in high school, Karis was like, I think she was literally like number two in her class or whatever. Uh, and, and then when she graduated, she had plans to go to Biola and do all this other stuff. And the Lord opened her the door for her uh, through Pottersville to go to uh, Uganda. So she ended up spending the year there and doing ministry and all this other stuff. And so it's crazy because... What you thought you might do, and maybe what you think right now you might do, have you prayed and say, Lord, what is it that you actually have for me? Because maybe it's the same, but maybe it's different. 
Maybe it's the same as what you're thinking, but maybe it's in the same genre or the same area, but God has something different for you. And have you said, Lord, I haven't factored you in. I haven't asked you to lead this and guide me and direct me concerning my career, concerning my relationships, concerning the plans and the things that I'm thinking about for my future. And so, Lord, would you direct me? See, this is exactly what James is dealing with because he's saying within the church, there's this carnality or this lack of trusting in God and it's this trust in themselves. In other words, they're getting their ideas from and keeping their ideas from the world or, or from without the church and they're bringing them in and they're saying they're running the church like they would run a business. Now, we have a large church and we have the cafe and we have people and we have a bookstore and we have other things. There's things we got to be wise on, right? Like, I can't just give away food in the, in the cafe. Otherwise, well, unless the money was there, I guess. But if there's no income, then there's probably not going to be any outcome, <laughs> right? Does that make sense? If I don't sell it to you, then I... You know, unless the money's coming in for somebody to provide for that stuff free, then we wouldn't have it. Same with the bookstore, right? I mean, there's stuff in there. If you just say, oh, hey, I wanted a Bible, and oh, here's a Bible, or here's a sweatshirt, or whatever else we have down there, and they just give it to you, somebody had to pay for that, right? And if it's not you, somebody had to. So there is a business mindset, right? But... Even within the church, being structured, having vision, having plans. I just told you, we're talking about next summer. We're talking about all the events for next year and the things to come. But in all these things, we have to say, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. Lord, you lead me. Because I could say, Lord, I want to go back to Guatemala. Or I'd like, Lord, I'd like to go here and I'd like to go there. But Lord, where do, what is what do you have for us? Maybe you would have us minister somewhere within the states. I have a couple of invites. I'm not going to tell you yet because I don't know if that's happening. But Lord, what is it you would have for Epic? What is it you have for us? One of the things that's on my heart right now is like a discipleship. But it's not going to be like girls and guys separate. It's going to be discipleship. I mean, during that time, we might separate later, but it's going to be like a, not necessarily student leadership, but like helping you grow in your walk and your faith. Um, the problem is trying to figure out what night or what time we're going to do that. I, I plan on doing that. I just don't know what day or time yet. And it's not going to be like what it used to be, Thursday night guys and Sunday night girls. It's going to be me leading it, the leaders helping and, and, you know, have some ideas and stuff, but until we figure out the whole details, and it's not going to be all year. It's probably going to be like a three-month thing, or I don't know. Again, see what I'm saying? Like, I'm wrestling with, like, because I also want, I want you to grow, and I want it to be worth the investment. But if we realize that life is short, then we think about that, because here's the thing. Think about your friends. I have friends like this. Do you? Do you have friends that aren't Christians that you want to be a Christian? 
then if you do it like I do, then shouldn't we be praying for them and doing what we can to maybe invite them to church or invest somehow in them? And, you know, because if we really believe that life is short and anything can happen, then maybe we should be more proactive in thinking, how can we be prepared for heaven? Because that's what the Bible teaches, is prepare yourself for heaven. How? Give your life to Christ, learn about His ways, and bring people with you. Love God and love people. So maybe those people that even come to your mind now when you're thinking about them not having a relationship with the Lord, you can write their name down, whether in your phone, a piece of paper, something. And that way their name, their, their, and that makes their face almost always before you, praying for them. And Lord, give me opportunities. But here's the thing, you got to look for those opportunities when the Lord gives them to you. you got to realize the Lord's going to give you opportunities to minister, to share His love, His grace, His mercy. And so... The thing is, in verse 16, they were boasting in their arrogance of their plans. They were confident in themselves. They were praising themselves. They were self-centered and bragging. Look at what we can do and look at what we have planned and all this other stuff. And yet, verse 17 says, you know to do good, but you don't do it. The whole thing is about you. How can you take care of you? There was no idea, there was no plan for the church. The plan was for the church to take care of the people. Not, not the church to minister to people. The church at this time was all about themselves. And they were doing it in their own way to say, look at us and look at how great we are. But James is saying, therefore, to him, verse 17, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. He's like, the Lord has shown you. The Lord has shown you what to do. It isn't just something that I do that I shouldn't. Sin is also something that I don't do that I should and he's telling this story and he's using this illustration and he's saying, listen, God is calling you to, to do things. Are you doing them? Are you... Listen, again, one of the things that I, I told you guys, and I'll wrap it up right now, is this. Oftentimes in the church, we, we get to this point where we're like, oh, especially you guys at your age, all oh, the hypocrites, all the people in the church and all this and that and blah, blah, blah. Can I tell you this then? Stop it. If you want the church to change, then change. Then you change. If you want the church to be different, then you be different. If you don't like the hypocrites in this church, then stop it. Because you're here and you're hearing me. If you don't like it, you change. And I'll change. And listen, if we unify and say, listen, I want to make a difference. I want to be somebody who's trying their best to seek the Lord and be a godly man. And for you ladies, to be a godly woman. And if we do that, 
we are going to make an incredible impact in our community. But we get so busy because we point fingers and look at them and listen to her and did you see that and did you hear what he said and watch them and stop it. Stop. I need to stop it. You need to stop it. What we need to do is say, Lord, what is it you have for us? What is it you have for me? What is it? Lord, I want to be more loving, caring, giving, sharing. I'm not saying not calling out sin and all that other stuff. But instead of being judgmental and spirit and critical and all that other stuff, I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to be like the the religious leaders that Jesus had to call out, that Jesus had to tell, like, knock it off. I want to be like the ones he poured into who said, now, like, go now, and I've taught you how to wash feet. I've taught you how to serve others. Now go serve others. I taught you how to love people. Now go love people. That's what he's called us to do. And I think sometimes in the church, and I'm going to challenge us right now, including myself, is it has to start with somebody. So let it start with you and let it start with me. Let it start with us in this room. And so what do we have to do? We have to do things like start praying and, and invite God into the equation. And part of praying and inviting God into the equation is also getting out of our comfort zone. Getting out of our comfort zone in this room could be meet other people. And listen, you can meet other people by bringing your friends along. Hey, this is us. Could start a TV show like that or something. No. <laughs> and so we invest in each other. We pour into each other. We love on each other. And we factor God in. And we can, at the end of the day, going, look at what God has done. Listen, yesterday at Patrick's memorial, they said, oh, maybe up to 7,500 people max. There was at least, I'd say 200 plus, easy. And people flew from other states. People came from all over to celebrate Patrick's life. There was a young man that was there. I found out later, he said to the parents, he goes, I don't know if you know me, but I would, I've known Patrick since elementary school. And he said, in elementary school, he told the mom this, he goes, in elementary school, there was a raffle, and you guys donated a skateboard, and I won that skateboard, and it changed my life. I mean, these kids are, I mean, they're not even kids anymore. They're 33, 34 years old. And he goes... He told the parents, in elementary school, you guys made an impact in my life, and it changed my life. And I'll never forget it. To the fact that he's like, I have to go there and tell them. And he came yesterday because he hasn't even seen Patrick, he said, since elementary school. But he came to share his heart and to thank the family. And to say, this family made an impact in my life. It's powerful, isn't it? I thought it was because I'm listening. And I thought, wouldn't that be good of us to make an impact in people's lives? When we go to a store, when we go shopping right now for the holidays, when we see people here at church, 
They said one of the things that Patrick was known for, and I'll end with this, was being the people person. They said he was good at planning meetings, but he was good at being late to them because he was usually talking to somebody else outside the hall. And he was serving at, uh, before he moved to Texas, they were at Hillsong LA, and he was in leadership there, and he oversaw a group. I don't know what he did. I don't remember. But his sister was saying that oftentimes he was late to his own meetings because he was usually down the hall praying for somebody. On his way to the meeting, somebody would catch him, and he, he would often see him praying for somebody. Because the planning was one thing, but the people mattered. And I think that's important. And I think that's what James is trying to get across. You guys plan, but it's all self-centered. It's all about you. But if you, if you pray and say, God, what is it you would have for us? Because God is going to help us be successful with him. And we're going to enjoy afterward. And we're going to look back going, look at what God has done. Look at all the things and look at what God has done. It's going to change us dramatically. But it starts with you and it starts with me. And I gotta stop looking at other people, and you gotta stop looking at other people and expecting them to change when you're not willing to change. You and I have to be willing to change and going, what is it that God you want for Epic? What is it you want for the church as a whole? Not just Calvary Chapel Chino Valley, but the church. And so my encouragement to you, if you know to do good then simply do it. If God's calling you to do something, do it. Don't wait. Let God provide. And, and here's one of the things, sometimes people are like, I don't know, like I wanted to share with somebody, but I didn't know. It's usually that point when God's telling you to share, it's like you're shaky, <laughs> at least internally, and you're like, kind of like, should I, should I not? Usually it's at that point the answer is yes because you're normally not thinking like that, right? So God has put it on your heart to say, tell them something. Invite them to church or tell them about God's love. Tell them, you know, something. Those are usually the times when you've been praying and saying, but I don't know where to start. Just start telling them. Hey, I just, I feel like I, I wanted to tell you today that God loves you. Do you have anything I could pray for? Can I pray for you? Usually, non-Christians are really cool with that. No, I'm good. Nothing? Like, can I just can I just do a general prayer there? A lot of times, even non-Christians will allow you to do that. It's not harmful. I want to be praying for you. It really disarms them going, oh, why would you do that? Well, because I just want you to know that God loves you. And all of a sudden, now you have this open door with somebody that you didn't realize. All it was because you prayed and said, Lord, show me. Show me the needs. Show me, Lord, speak to me. Lord, not my will. Because my will is normally to be self-centered and to do my own thing. But your will, Lord, is that I would care about others. That I would invest in others. And Lord, this is what I've discovered. When you invest in others, you're the one that's blessed. You're the one that's blessed. Let's pray.